reports. Elizabeth? All right. Brooke Schaefer, thanks so much for that report tonight. And thank you so much for trusting us tonight. Stay with News Nation for all the best of our primetime lineup that starts next with On Balance with Leland Bitter, live from the Iowa State Fair. He'll be speaking with a number of big names, including former Vice President Mike Pence and Carrie Lake. In the meantime, I'm Elizabeth Vargas. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you back here again Monday night. Tonight, we are the only cable news show live from the center of the political universe. Do not adjust your television. This is not Washington, D.C. It's the Iowa State Fair and the start of the Republican presidential fight. Mike Pence responds to protesters who call him a traitor. The American presidency belongs to the American people. And forget funnel cake. We check in on the sales of Bud Light. Selling a lot of Bud Light? Uh, Bud Light? North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum tells us why we should take his presidential race seriously. The voters say this is the leadership we need for the country. And voters tell us why we should ignore the polls. I think the polls are wrong. Welcome to the Ferris Show on television from the Iowa State Fair, not far from the Midway. We're going to get to the deep-fried Oreos a little bit later, also on tonight's show. This, of course, is the kickoff for the Republican race for president. President Biden told Iowa to kiss off and go to the back of the line for Democrats. He went South Carolina to go first. Why that says so much about the Democratic agenda. And Mr. Biden's primary headaches got a lot worse today. New developments in the Hunter Biden case forced Mr. Biden's attorney general to appoint a special counsel. We'll get to that with one of the two people challenging Mr. Biden for the Democratic nomination who is here at the fair anyway. It is impossible, really, to understate the energy here. Sun mixes with sugar and pork chops to create a uniquely American experience, a uniquely Midwest rule experience. more important than politics here. Yeah, I would say so. How long have you guys been working on this? Two days, two weeks, two days. So what's harder, uh, sand sculpting or butter sculpting? I have never done butter. Any desire to? No. No? Donald Trump is, of course, the odds-on favorite, but the poll numbers appear to miss what we are seeing at the fair. Iowa voters might tell pollsters if forced they would pick Donald Trump right now, but it is five months until the caucuses. A lot can change. In the past, certainly, a lot has changed. More importantly, most everybody we talked to said they are looking for an alternative to Trump, and for that matter, an alternative to Biden among Democrats. Of course, Trump lost the Iowa caucuses in 2016, But he does enjoy some vocal support, as Mike Pence learned on the Midway yesterday. We caught up with Pence today, somewhere between the butter cow exhibit 
in the pork chop tent. Monday, he'll be hosting the first presidential town hall. That is, myself will be hosting the first presidential town hall with Republican candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy is going to be live in Chicago. We're going to have audiences in Chicago, Iowa, and New Hampshire. Since 1972, Iowans have picked 18 caucus winners, 10 Democrats, and 8 Republicans. Obviously, Vice President Mike Pence hopes that the Christian conservatives here in Iowa will turn him into the next Republican frontrunner. I was about to bring you a lemonade uh, shake-up. <laughs> it's my favorite. That and a corn dog. I'm, uh, I've got the lemon shake-up under my belt, but I've still got to come up with a corn still dog. Got, we, we can find a corn dog here. You can do a flip some pork. <laughs> Absolutely. Looking forward to it. There's nobody more engaged in the process than Iowa voters. What's the best question you've gotten so far? You know, always there's a focus on agriculture when you're in Iowa, and I think it gives people great confidence that uh, I come from an agricultural state in Indiana. I get it. I understand the, the role that agriculture plays in the life of our economy, the challenges that people are facing, particularly under the Biden administration's failed policies. I had a question today about, the, you know, the lack of any effort to expand exports by this administration. And... Uh, I think people know that if I have the privilege of being president of the United States, Leland, I'm going to I'm going to be a champion for people in the city and on the farm. But they know that Mike Pence understands agriculture. Yeah, the urban-rural divide in America may be bigger right now than the than the political divide. I couldn't help but notice yesterday there were some people who came by and were were yelling at and yelling at you and shouting at you. If you'd had a chance to sit down and talk to them, what would you like to have said? Oh, I, you know, look, uh, I always say that's what freedom sounds like. Right? Fair enough. People are entitled to their opinions, but they're not entitled to their facts. And I frankly welcome the opportunity, as we had again yesterday with with one attendee at a at a soapbox I was standing on speaking, who asked me about the stand that I took on January 6th. Yes. Uh, my question is this: Why did you commit treason on January 6th and not stand? As you and I have talked, I think the Constitution is very clear what my duty was that day, the chance to encourage people to look fresh, because I know the American people love our Constitution, and uh, the chance to make that case with people is always a privilege. If you're elected president January 20th of 2025, you're going to take the oath of office not far from the events of January 6th, where you were on January 6th. What would you say on that day to the country to try and bring us back from where we are at now and where we were then? Well, I would say that there will always be more that unites us in this country than could ever divide us. Chief among those things is faith uh, and a belief in our ideals. And uh, I also believe the American people long for us to restore a threshold of civility in public life, Leland. You know, you know, once you get 15 miles out of Washington, D.C., the American people actually get along pretty well. <laughs> Yeah, real Americans a little more civil than it is there. No, it's the truth. The American yeah. people know how to disagree without being disagreeable. And, uh, you know, I'm going to stand firmly on the conservative agenda. Speaking of a conservative agenda, and you've been a man of faith and principle for a long time. I've covered you since you were in the House. Uh, one thing you've been utterly consistent on is the issue of a, of a pro-life agenda. Does the results in Ohio 
and the the voters speaking pretty resoundingly, even in a Republican state that you and President Trump carried twice about the issue of abortion. Does that speak to you or inform you at all, change your views, soften things? Look, I'm pro-life. I don't apologize for it. There are things that are more important than politics. And having the opportunity now to restore the sanctity of life to the center of American law, I think, is a historic opportunity in our country, David. Uh, but look, I, I honestly believe that when you look at the recent midterm elections, men and women that stood with principle and compassion on behalf of the sanctity of life did very well. And I, I, I reject the notion that, that standing for the unborn, standing with women in crisis pregnancies, is a political loser. To me, it's all about standing without apology for the right to life, but also standing with compassion uh, with women in crisis pregnancies, with advancing reforms like adoption reform in the country. And I believe that's how we can win hearts and minds and move our nation ever closer to the day that we restore the sanctity of life to the center of American law. Thank Good you to see you, sir. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Appreciate you. All right. With us now, President and CEO of the family leader, Bob Vanderplatz, the most influential uh, political mind probably in Iowa, aside from the governor, leader of the main uh, evangelical Christian organization here. It's good to see you, sir. Thank you very good much. We'll, we'll get to Mike Pence and the issue of abortion in a minute. I want to go big picture here. Donald Trump shows up uh, tomorrow, uh, the undisputed leader, I think anyone would say. What has to happen for, for someone other than Trump? anybody other than Trump to win the Iowa caucus. I think you're seeing it here at the, at the Iowa State Fair. You mentioned it in, in your opening. A lot of people are looking for an alternative to Trump. So he's got the high poll numbers right now because he's the former president. It's high name ID, like Giuliani in 08, Rick Perry in 12, Jeb Bush in 16. But yet they didn't go on to win the Iowa caucuses. Uh, Iowans are very savvy. They're going to shake their hands, look them in the eye, determine if they can trust them, and if they're prepared to lead, and if they're the right person for this time. I think that's the highest hurdle the former president has. Is he the right person for this time, or do we need to move on to a new visionary, one that's focused on the future, not on the past? All right. Uh, speaking of people who have won the Iowa caucuses, Rick Santorum, Mike Huckabee, all people who appeal to the evangelical sure. vote here in Iowa who didn't go on and win the nomination would have potentially had a hard time uh, come the presidency. Is this concept that we are all enjoying today, and don't get me wrong, I love being here, um, but is this sort of a little bit too performative in, I, in an exercise? I don't think it is. I think Iowa performs this role very well. And our role isn't to pick the eventual nominee. Our role is to narrow the field. Okay. So in 08, we had Huckabee, Romney, McCain. In 12, you had Santorum and Romney. In 16, you had Trump and you had uh, Cruz. Cruz and Rubio. And so we narrowed the field, and then America gets to make its choice. But I think what Iowa does is it puts them through a vetting where they really have to earn each and everyone's yep. vote. Yeah, no, the, vet, the vetting here and the process here is, is, is truly remarkable. It reminds you almost the way you think that politics was done a long, long time uh, ago. Now we get to this issue of abortion. Um, this is the first presidential election since Roe was overturned. Mm -hmm. I know that's something that, that so many Christian conservatives worked so hard to have happen. But since then, Terrible showing for Republicans in the 2022 midterms. Donald Trump blames the abortion issue. There's polling to support that. And every time we've seen it hit a statewide ballot initiative, uh, most recently in Ohio, uh, to allow for more restrictive abortion uh, legislation, it's failed. Is it time for Republicans to take a step back and say, look, the, the most conservative part of our party is not in touch with the, with the voters in places that we need 
to win the presidency. I don't think it's time to take a step back. I think it's time to take a step forward and give clarity. I think Mike Pence in your previous interview gave a lot of clarity there. Someone who really believes in the sanctity of human life, going to champion a culture of life, going to do it in a winsome way, a compassionate way. I tell people all the time, these cornfields around Iowa, we always have a three-year-old that gets lost in a cornfield. And we will move heaven and earth to find that three-year-old because we value a culture of life. And I think in the midterms, what Mike Pence pointed out as well, Governor Reynolds, very clear on the sanctity of human life, wins in a landslide. Ron DeSantis in Florida wins in a landslide. The former President Trump throws pro-lifers under the bus. However, his fingerprints yeah, Brian, Brian Kemp in Georgia won despite Donald Trump, I mean, to, right. to, make, to make your point. But but hold he's on, also if, very clear on the pro-life issue. If I put up, and, and, and did so in terms of legislation, we put up, though, in terms of where the, the American populace is, when it comes to the pro-life issue, they're not at a six-week ban. They're at a 15-week ban. That's something that Republicans, and it seems as though swing state voters can get behind. Don't Republicans risk that if you get get into restricting abortion at six weeks, losing an enormous number of swing voters in these other states. Well, I think what it is and what Roe v. Wade or the overturn of Roe v. Wade said is return it back to the states. But there also has to be a role, I believe, for the federal government because you have an extreme agenda by Governor Newsom, by Biden, by others, by the Women's Health Protection Act who want abortion up to demand or up to the time of birth and the public and the public pay for it. Fair, fair, America I mean, is not there. Let me see if I could end on a point of agreement is that Democrats have done a lot better job messaging this than Republicans have. De Democrats have done much better job messaging this. The fact is their extreme position is where America's out of step with. Seventy percent of Americans support a 15-week ban, as you just mentioned. So there is a role for the federal government to play and then let the laboratory be in the states like in Iowa, Florida, Texas, South Carolina. It's good to see you, sir. Thank you very much. See you, Enjoy man. the fair. We appreciate it. God bless. All right. Monday, and this is going to be a big issue in the town hall, the first presidential town hall with Republican candidate Vivek Ramaswamy, live from Chicago with audiences in Chicago, Iowa, and New Hampshire. I've had an opportunity to see some of the questions. They are impressive. One of the reasons we come out here to the center of the political universe right now is to talk to voters around the fair. And what is most interesting is how many are undecided, truly undecided, and pretty concerned in their words, unhappy maybe even, with the feeling that Donald Trump's win is already in the bag. delicious. What is it? It's a fried pickle dog. It's a pickle with ham around it and cream cheese and fried. All year you wait for the Iowa State Fair because you're excited about what food? Corn dogs. Lamburger. Lamburger. Gotta try a lamburger. Funnel cake is always a go-to actually. Yeah. You guys care about the politics? No. Do you agree on everything? No. Do you agree on who you're going to vote for? Trump's got it in the bag. You think that's true? Nope. I think the polling's wrong. Trump's going to win no matter what. You believe that? Probably. But I've not decided I'd vote for him. All we right. need more peace. We hope Trump gets it. I'm not going to vote for Trump. Interesting. Why not? I didn't like him the last time. I don't like <laughs> what he did. It's nice to meet you. Thanks for your time.
All right, when we come back from Iowa, why Donald Trump's supporters keep saying he is the inevitable nominee. We'll question that. See why it's so important for them to keep that narrative up. See you in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Iowa used to be a swing state. Obama won it in 2008 and 2012. Trump turned it dark red in 2016 and 2020. Trump will be here tomorrow. He is everywhere in terms of a presence at the Iowa State Fair. We caught up with one of his most ardent supporters, Kerry Lake, who had a button on that sort of conveyed a message we're hearing from a lot of folks here. Trump was right. The question, right about what? He was right about everything. He's right about the economy. He's been right about uh, the border, especially the border, living in Arizona. Trump will be here tomorrow. He's up by multiple double digits, depending on what poll you look at in Iowa. Is the Republican nomination over before it begins? I believe it is. I really believe he's going to be the nominee. And I, I, feel, so that, I feel that he's going to, he's the incumbent, in my op- opinion. I feel that Trump is the incumbent. Um, we had some major problems in 2020. The people love President Trump. They know that he's fighting for us. It's one thing that both Trump supporters and Republicans agree on. Kamala Harris said the same thing. Our country is under threat. Is there a danger at all from both sides to raise the stakes that high that the American experiment rests in one election? The stakes are that high. We have a wide open border. We have an invasion on our border. We have a president sitting in the White House who's taken tens of millions of dollars in bribes from our enemies, the the communist Chinese regime, from Burisma. We're finding out other countries have given five and 10 and 15 million dollars to Joe Biden. He has he's a traitor to our country. People say the same thing about Donald Trump on the other side. And I'm wondering if it is. I talk to folks here. They're worried about the economy. They're worried about energy policy. They're worried effectively about national security. Over and over and over again, I hear how much they don't like the inflamed rhetoric from both sides. What I think they really want is somebody who's going to put the people of this country first. They want somebody who's going to get us back with an energy policy where we're energy independent. We had that before Joe Biden. They want somebody who's going to protect the border. They want somebody who's going to use common sense policies to get our economy roaring again. It was roaring under President Trump. And they really are interested in President Trump's Agenda 47, which you should cover, which really is going to get us back on track when it comes to every problem we have right now. There's other Republican candidates who are saying, hey, Trump didn't go far enough. He wasn't able to get the job done. Give me a chance. Why shouldn't voters give them a chance? Because we know Trump can do the job. He's done it before. They say this is all politics and they're trying to make they're trying to make themselves look nice and shiny and new. But President Trump, we already saw that he got us on solid footing in the first three years of, of, of him being in office. They know that he's got a plan to turn this nightmare around, the nightmare that Joe Biden has gotten us into, and they can see that President Trump is authentic. 
Thank you very much. All right, Galen Carrier is here, political reporter at the Des Moines Register. Zach Fisher, State Bureau reporter, State Capitol Bureau reporter for our Next Star affiliate in Des Moines, WHO. And you know this young lady, Kelly Meyer, Washington correspondent for News Nation. Great to see all of you. Uh, Galen, start, start with you on this. Trump's people would like you to believe that his victory is inevitable. Are you seeing that? I think it depends who you talk to, right? I think that feeling is very pervasive among their camp. There's a reason that Trump is coming here in the style he is, right? On his own terms, not participating in traditional events. But I think there's certainly- You're not gonna eat pork chop on a stick. I wouldn't count anything out with him, but certainly he's not doing the traditional state fair stop, right? But I think, obviously, if you talk to his opponents, they disagree, and there's a reason they're here, and they're doing the traditional circuit. They're hoping to kind of rev up that momentum. Uh, I think if you talk to a decent amount of Iowans, they're certainly intrigued by the possibility of a contested race. Whether that actually bears out in the coming weeks, I don't know. Yeah, what I think is so interesting, you put up the polling, April versus today, Trump's gained two points, DeSantis has lost a bunch, Scott's gone up by 10 points, Ramaswamy's come up, Pence is about the same, Haley's moving around, Christie statistically insignificant. But what I think is most interesting, Zach, and I wanted to understand with you, everybody we talk to doesn't care about the culture war. They care about the economy, the economy, the economy, the border, and national security, and sometimes energy policy. Yet, Trump, DeSantis, Ramaswamy have all made the culture war the number one issue in their campaign. Well, I look at it as foot traffic. Who's coming here the most? Who's talking to Iowans the most? And uh, you're certainly seeing it with like a candidate like uh, Vivek, who's put in a lot of a legwork here. He's been approachable from what I've seen to Iowans to coming up and talking about those issues yep. uh, that you had mentioned too. So I guess whatever is front of uh, mind for Iowa voters, it's important to be able to talk to the candidates. And I think some of the candidates, as you mentioned, Vivek or uh, Mr. Scott there as well too, they're, they're putting the legwork and, and kind of getting that face-to-face interaction with the Iowans. Kelly, I know you've talked to Tim Scott uh, before and he spent a lot of time covering him on the Hill. He's running a relatively quiet campaign when it comes to media and a relatively aggressive campaign when it comes to meeting voters and being out on the on the trail. What's the calculus? Yeah, and I was thinking because he's not here this weekend when many of the other Republican candidates are here. He's going come coming to the fair later next week when kind of the you know, the coast is cleared. He's doing it on his own terms. Um, but I think he's kind of going slow and steady. I think what's so interesting about this weekend is that you're seeing a lot of these Republican contenders coming out. This is two weeks ahead of the debate. They're really testing the water, testing their message, and seeing if they can make it to that debate stage for those that haven't gotten there. We talked with Miami Mayor Francis Suarez. He said today that he would drop out if he doesn't make the debate stage, but then, you know, said that he's really yeah, no, he trying told, to get He there. told us that, that as well, and then all of a sudden sort of walked it back. At yeah. least it was, it was an honest answer. Um, New York Times today, how are Iowa Democrats? I can't even describe to you how bad um, it is. And Galen, I think this is an interesting point for you and just from from covering this state for so long. Obama 08, Obama 12, true swing state, 16 goes red, 20 goes red. One of the themes that we have here on the program is that obviously politics is downstream of culture. Dot, dot, dot. The real divide is urban culture, rural culture. Is is Iowa and what we see here now representative much more of a rural state than a urban state? 
I certainly think we see Republican dominance in those rural areas. Um, and I think if you look at a state like Iowa, uh, the rural areas, when it comes to representation in the state legislature, when it comes to the voters that turn out come, especially non-presidential election years, uh, when most of those down-ballot races are the focus, I think they certainly have that. Uh, in a relative stranglehold, right? I think Democrats are looking for any leg up they can get, right? Yeah. Uh, they look at Rob Sand having the state auditor's office here. They look at uh, some key wins and flips in the state legislature. Uh, but you're right that at the top of the ballot, uh, they are really struggling to, and I think a lot of state parties in red states, Democratic state parties, are really looking for that identity to find that foothold again in rural areas. How can we claw back there? How can we meet those folks where they're at and start to slowly but surely win back those seats? Yeah, Zach, what are you looking at in terms of Show, you know, telltale signs here of how culture versus economics and other things intersect. We, we were interviewing people over at the beer tent, for example. Um, the Bud Light tent was empty, uh, and the Bud Light taps were, were full, and everything. And there was a lot of other other brands that were just flowing out. And it seems as though, at least with this crowd, th there is there is this part of of the culture that they're still holding on to. I guess when you look at it, leaning back into my first answer, too, I guess a little bit about foot traffic, too. You see stuff on social media, too. You see stuff online, and people might uh, look at that as a, as a bubble. But you come out here, uh, you, you talk to Iowans, you kind of see what issues are front of mind to that, too. Whether it is uh, the Bud Light issue uh, relevant uh, several months ago here, too, or, or as you mentioned, too, uh, inflation as it's related to the economy, I'm sure it's been on every voter's mind here, too, for the past couple yeah. years. Uh, you know, honestly, it's just coming out here, uh, and it's Iowans letting... Here's the thing about Iowa. Iowans will let you know uh, what's front of mind, too. They won't hesitate. They won't stop to let you what's impacting uh, their year-to-year -year or their day-to-day, -to -day too. So I guess that's what you can appreciate about it, too, is because you're going yeah. to get the truth from people, too, when you come out and talk to them. Yeah, yeah, let's put it this way. You don't have to spend a lot of time asking people or sort of trying to get their yeah. real opinions here. It's a yeah. pretty direct crowd, uh, as opposed, I think, Kelly and I, you would agree, to everything we get in Washington. Uh, <laughs> it's refreshing. Yes, here. there's a refreshing frankness, which I think is interesting. You inter you uh, interviewed Miami Mayor Francis Suarez. Say what you want about his candidacy. Long shot would be probably a generous way to put it. Dot, dot, dot. You asked him about the Hunter Biden news today and the special counsel. I don't know why, but his, his answer fascinated me. Yeah, he said, the only one asking me that question is people with microphones like you. So the, the press. No one else here at the fair is talking about that. Uh, for voters, they want to know, like you said, about the economy, kitchen table issues, gas prices. They're not talking about Hunter, but yeah. former President Trump, who's going to be here tomorrow, may be talking about Hunter. I think we can pretty much guarantee that based on his statement um, yesterday. And, and what's interesting, I think you guys would all agree on this, is so much of, uh, of wanting in television is wanting to have some kind of, of certainty. And we're at the be very beginning of this, not even the end. You know, Iowa, the Iowa State Fair begins it, does not end it. Um, really appreciate all of you being here. Galen Brucarrier, political reporter at the Des Moines Register. Zach Fisher, uh, State Capitol Bureau reporter for Next Star Station, WHO. And obviously Kelly Meyer with us as well. Uh, we'll be back, and we know we'll be uh, relying on you guys as well. Thanks for having us. Uh, thank you. Part of the Iowa Fair, uh, well, a big part, depending on what you like to eat, is about eating. And more than one presidential campaign ended with a food faux pas here. The trick to eating hard-boiled eggs. And yes, there is a trick with North Dakota's governor when we come back. The farmers who come to the Iowa State Fair don't come to look at the big machines. They come to test them 
and buy them. It speaks to the urban-rural divide in America. Iowa is a rural state. And it takes a special kind of authenticity to connect with that. North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum says he knows because he can operate one of these things. He comes from the fourth least populous state in America, but claims that his experiences in life are the reasons that Iowa voters and therefore Republican voters across the country need to take his campaign seriously. Catherine and I grew up going to state fairs, county fairs. We love, we love, uh, we, we love this thing. We do have a thing which is hard boiled egg called a Scotch egg, where you wrap it in sausage and then deep fry it. Now that is worth, you know, waiting for. But I think this is just a very standard hard boiled egg. Very standard hard boiled egg. Okay. Yep. Very standard hard boiled egg. Reasonable people would agree. Poll number wise, you're at or near the bottom. You're in, you're in the debate. If six months from now you and I are on the road heading to somewhere for Super Tuesday and you've won or placed in Iowa, why will that be? Well, that'll be because the voters say this is the leadership we need for the country. But what message will you have been able to deliver to them? What will you have been able to convince them of? Well, they'll understand that if the, the things that matter the most in the future of this country are the economy, our energy policy, and national security, and that we're someone that has has a vision for the, the future of this country. So the size of the field right now doesn't scare you? I think it's too small. I mean, I think it's like, I think it's just, it, it's in, interesting to me that at this time, so many great people are choosing to not be involved in public office in any in any level. Right. Uh, and and part of that is we, you know, we're, so we're operating out of a, you know, a heart of service and are also operating out of the understanding that, that to be the, to be the president of the United States, you need to understand how the economy works. And if we've got people that are running that have never created a private sector job, they've never had to make payroll every two weeks, they've never had to cut their own pay to help make sure their team members get paid to get through the next cycle when you're in a downturn. You mentioned the, the most important issues as you see it, and I think as you see it from talking to voters, the economy, national security, and energy policy. Yes. You didn't mention the culture war, and I'm wondering if you think because that gets too much play or that's just not what you're hearing from folks. Well, I think that those are super important issues. We In North Dakota, we dealt with a lot of that, and a lot of that needs to be dealt with at the state and local level because uh, our, our country has got different attitudes about some of these things in different places, and what might fly in New York or California would never fly in North Dakota and vice versa. But that's not the job of the President of the United States. The President of the United States has actually got a job description. It's in the Constitution, and, and it's a limited set of things they're supposed to do. And the rest is in the Tenth Amendment. It's left for the states, comma, or for the people. I remember watching your announcement speech. You talked about small-town yeah. values. The Washington Post attacked you. A couple of months later, we have the controversy about Jason Aldean's song, Try That right. in a Small Town. And there's, there's now this debate in America about rule values versus urban urban sensibilities or however you want to phrase it what is it that urban america doesn't understand about small town values that they need to learn from well i, I think one of the things that you see in small towns is that like the ones that we visit across iowa new hampshire the ones that we that i grew up in a town like Catherine, the first lady grew up in is that when you're in a small town everybody's got accountability you can't build your business around I've got more grievances than the other person. You can't build your business on, I'm better at blaming the other side. You can't build a business or a reputation on, I'm the most angry person, vote for me. Because people understand in that small town what you've gotten done and whether or not you've been able to build trust, not just you know at one time, but in a town like Arthur, 
you know, where my family was involved in the grain elevator business now for four generations, you build transact, you build trust one transaction at a time for 120 years. All right, for as sort of crowded as the Republican field is, things on the Democratic side are really a lot more complicated, especially when it comes to Iowa. How are Iowa Democrats, asked the New York Times in a piece out today, one local state senator answered for them, I can't even begin to describe how bad it is. President Biden skipped the state's annual political hobnobbing. He's leading nationally, of course, RFK Jr. trailing, Marianne Williamson closely behind, and she is with us. Now, one of the things that makes it so complicated, nice to see you at the Iowa State Fair, one of the things that makes democratic politics right now so complicated is you guys haven't even decided whether to have the first, the first contest in Iowa or in South Carolina. Yeah, they haven't let us know yet. <laughs> <laughs> so what, are you going to go to both? What's your well, I was important no matter what they say. I mean, we have to go on as though, you know, there is a contest because, in fact, there is. And the DNC is keeping some sort of tight control on what happens Think the fix They're trying to put the fix in for President Biden? I don't know. You think so? <laughs> That's why I'm asking the question. Could it be? I don't. <laughs> Big news today, though. Joe Biden's now having more and more problems. Special counsel for his son, for his son, Hunter. Are you going to campaign on that? Is that more reason that things need to change? There are a couple of things that are important for all of us to remember. And one is that the justice system works independently of politics. We all have you to really remember really that. believe that? Yes. It, okay. It, I, I do believe that when when it works at its best, it Oh, does. at its best, sure. And I think all of us as Americans need to support that notion. Okay. There is a special counsel uh, for the former president. There's a special counsel for this president. There's a special counsel now for Hunter Biden. So we should all honor the fact that okay. the justice system does what the justice system does and want that for our country. And secondly, it's also important to remember that Hunter Biden is not his father. Whether or not this complicates, obviously it complicates the situation for the president. But for me, I'm running on the issue. So to me, this is just one of the reasons why I would suggest that he's a very makes the Democrats very vulnerable for the president to be our candidate in 2024. All right. Dot, 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 dot. Um, and it's unusual. And look, I got to give you credit where credit's due. It's unusual to have someone who's challenging, someone who has a special counsel looking into him and not wanting, not wanting to, to, to slam dunk on that. Dot, dot, dot. Why is it in America right now that the best we can seem to do that the front runner of the party of each party has a special counsel looking into him and to his son, and the front runner in the Republican Party has a special counsel looking into him? I think it show, it's it's why the American people are ready to move on. So why, does no, that, why isn't that reflected in your polling? Well, in part, because there has been such a uh, systematized strategic effort to make sure that I'm not uh, on CNN. Why do I not have a CNN town hall when people who are polling on your side less than I uh, do have? I mean, why am I not on Meet the Press when some of your Republican candidates are who are polling less than I? It's, uh, you know, it's... Um, uh, you have a lot of um, media out there that's chopping wood and, you know, and uh, carrying water for the DNC and so forth. But then on the other hand, you know, I'm on your your channel. So well, we're, glad, we're, we're always glad to hear you know, your, your, your We, we your all welcome. know how these things are. It, it's tough. There, there is, and I think on both sides, there's a predetermined conversation that the powers that be want to have and a predetermined set of people that they believe are... Um, 
the ones that should be caring for with that conversation, and they have their ways of uh, peripheralizing anyone else. And we've seen this in the DNC before. We've seen it with Bernie Sanders. We see it now. But the difference I see is that the American people have evolved a lot, have matured a lot in their understanding of what's going on. Among the Democratic electorate, they, it's, it's not appreciated that the president is not debating um, uh, his opponents. Uh, the majority of Democratic-leaning uh, voters have said they want to hear other people, and that's why I'm here. Bobby Kennedy is here. Yeah, no, you guys uh, are both know, talking about forward. Well, for whatever it's worth, and I feel uh, compelled to report this because that's what we do and report things fairly. The, the one voter that we interviewed who was a staunch Democrat, uh-huh. uh, she said, we voted for Biden. I said, oh, really? I said, that's interesting. I said, we've got Mary Will- Ann Williamson on coming up later on the show. She goes, oh, my God, I love her. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. You've got some friends out there. It's nice to see you, man. <laughs> Thank you, Thank Marianne2024.com. Uh, speaking of Democrats in the Hunter Biden scan- saga, Chris Cuomo on the other side of the break with why Democrats should be thrilled, perhaps, with today's special counsel announcement. Thank you. Good to see you. It was good to see you, man. This appointment confirms my commitment to provide Mr. Weiss all the resources he requests. It also reaffirms that Mr. Weiss has the authority he needs to conduct a thorough investigation and to continue to take the steps he deems appropriate independently. Nothing like a Friday in the summer to announce a special counsel to continue the probe into Hunter Biden, that being the president of the United States' son. So we continue with things in American politics that are truly unprecedented. Chris Cuomo with us now. A lot of ways to break this down, Chris. I I think always about special counsels. They're a little bit like a boulder coming off the top of a mountain. You think about Ken Starr and Whitewater started with a land deal all of a sudden in Arkansas and it ends up uh, with the president of the United States having an affair with an intern in the Oval Office. It just, at this point, it's hard to imagine how Democrats aren't aren't at least reasonably worried where this heads. So, you know, as you remember, Leland, the independent counsel statute that Ken Starr, may rest in peace, um, was part of, was one of the last really immediate acts of bipartisanship in Congress. They couldn't wait to get rid of that law because of exactly what you're saying. So the special counsel regulations through the Department of Justice, through the AG, obviously, are much more curtailed to kind of stop that fishing expedition. And they have as part of the regulation that the special counsel has to ask to deviate uh, from the stated proposition of what they're investigating. But that said, there's still the same mission creep concern because we've never had an AG say no to a special counsel as far as we know in terms of expanding. But look, the reason people need to watch the show tonight is this is not an odd move by Merrick Garland. This is not suspicious. This is obvious and ugly what's going on here. There is a straight legal message being sent to Hunter Biden by David Weiss's team. Remember who appointed Weiss? Trump. Okay, so the idea that the fix is in and he wants to be nice. He's he was appointed by Trump and he's known to be aggressive. But this is also an obvious political play, which is why it comes on a Friday in the summer. And we've done the reporting. I know what it's about. And I'll take people through it tonight. All right. I break down a couple of things you said. One, that that David Weiss is known to be aggressive. All my reporting says that I I can't imagine uh, comparing David Weiss in the aggressive category uh, to Jack Smith in the aggressive category. It feels like you're dealing with, uh, I I don't know, uh, you know, an NFL coach versus 
a high school football coach. Uh, pick pick your pick your metaphor there. But number two, and I think only a fair any fair-minded person could acknowledge. Yes, David Weiss was appointed by Donald Trump. It continues to be something we hear from Democrats over and over and over and over again. Dot dot dot. As he was suggested by the two Democratic senators in Delaware. Yeah, but look, you got to pick your poison, Leland. The idea that the fix is in and this guy's a Biden guy is demonstrably false. Uh, And Trump's people didn't have to pick him if they didn't like the recommendation from the senators. And in terms of comparing the pedigree, just Google it. You know, Jack Smith uh, has his entire career come down to two cases because people like to pick at the outcomes uh, as if they're somehow instructive of his ineptitude, which to me is is frankly silly. Um, But David Weiss has a lot of years going after people privately and uh, and now in public service. And I'm telling you, him becoming special counsel is very frightening to Hunter Biden and his legal team. It's frightening to Joe Biden and his political prospects. Yeah. Uh, it's got Democrats talking. And what I was surprised by is that Republicans are bothered by this because they believe that it's an effort to stop their oversight. Uh, not only legally does it not work that way, and, we, and it didn't work that way with Mueller. The Democrats could do whatever they wanted all along. They just leaned on yeah. Mueller. This isn't about law. It's about politics. And the game 100%. is afoot, and I'll take you through it tonight. All right. Well, we're looking forward to it. Uh, and uh, you and I could talk about this all night. But uh, it, certainly made the, uh, it certainly made the state fair, at least for Democrats. Uh, so, so, somehow now the, uh, the prospects of a Democratic primary uh, become a little bit more real, I guess. Um, Chris, good to see you. Uh, we'll look forward to the analysis coming up in a, a few minutes. Back here at the State Fair, it is a huge weekend coming up. We're going to take you through that. Uh, and one of the big names here that somehow has caught fire among Republicans is Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, the youngest person to ever run for president of the United States. He'll be here. We'll be with him tomorrow ahead of the town hall, a preview of that when we come back. All right, welcome back to the Iowa State Fair. Vivek Ramaswamy will be here tomorrow working the crowd. We'll be with him as well, ahead of his live town hall, first town hall, first televised town hall on cable news uh, that occurs on Monday. Live audiences in Chicago, Iowa, and New Hampshire. Back here with Kelly Meyer, musician, Washington correspondent who's been on the trail. It's wild. You think about when Vivek Ramaswamy was... was just starting this, you don't want to ever say anybody was a joke, but it's like, what are you doing? You're 37 years old, a little bit older than you, a little bit younger than me, and you're running for president. And now all of a sudden we're at the fair, which is starting really the the sprint towards the Iowa caucuses. And suddenly he's a contender. Yeah. And I I was, we were just talking about how, when we first came out here, we just went right up to his bus. No one was there. He, He came out, talked with us. We watched him go play tennis at Drake University and he was very welcoming and no one really knew the name. And now people are getting to know the name. And that's what I keep thinking about this weekend is just those underdogs and how many people are going to walk away here in Iowa knowing their name. Yeah. And then in two weeks from now, everybody in America will know their name from that debate stage. Yeah, two, two weeks from now is the debate. And this this is a chance to introduce themselves to Iowa voters in a, in a different way. The retail politicking here is really special. We've been watching it all day. I think about Vivek in the way he has run his campaign and has from the very beginning, which is 
completely not safe. And if you watch, and we've, we've seen this, you've reported on Ron DeSantis's campaign that has been run in such a scripted and such a safe way. Uh, you could argue that about Tim Scott in certain ways. Um, there's a few other uh, few other candidates who are so scripted and so tight. And then you have Vivek Ramaswamy who's just out there. You can ask him anything, he'll talk about anything. Uh, and that's what's going to make this town hall so interesting uh, on Monday night. I've had a chance to see some of the questions uh, from our audience that are absolutely fascinating. It really shows not only how much people in Iowa care, but around the country care about this process. Chris Cuomo, up next with the big news out of Washington, special counsel on Hunter Biden.